everybody. I'm Pastor Megan. Believe it or not, next week marks uh, my husband Larry and I's fifth year of serving as pastors at Chapel Hill. Yeah, it's really fun for us. You know, in some ways time flies and in some ways it feels like forever ago. Can you guys remember that that was the year of Jubilee? Does anybody even remember? Yeah, the 50th anniversary of the church here. And uh, one of the major markers of time for me each year has been the harbor baptisms. The first one was the last week of our first year here. So we've had now four harbor baptisms. But that first one really sticks out in my mind, that beautiful sunset night on the harbor. I can remember each baptism. I remember Nate Maxwell's baptism. He was a lot easier to baptize then because he was a lot shorter. And now he's uh, running our sound with Jonathan Durr, and the two of them together made the video to celebrate this past year's Harbor Baptism. So enjoy that with me. Hey, what's up? We're ready. We're going we're gonna to get some people dunked. We are dunking today. Yeah. Harbor Baptism 2017. So that's what we point to in baptism. It is an old life. That's okay. Just cut it. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the rest of that. It's an old life made new. Um, what, you, what we would have continued to see there is um, 26 people coming forward for baptism. And three whole families and a lot of youth. And it was an amazing day. I love it whenever we get to celebrate baptisms here in the church um, on, the, on the chancel. And that baptisms in front of that big body of water, they just... It's so symbolic. God gave us this gift of water to represent this new life begun. And it's the symbolism of water that is in our story today. There's also in our story that um, an image of a crowd pressing in to know Jesus. And as I've been studying John 4 this week, that picture of that baptism, especially of the youth crowding the, the, the shore there sticks with me as we look into God's word. It's a living word, and I pray that it's alive for us today. The story is John 4, the woman at the well, and it's a very familiar story to a lot of us. And we love this story because it's so, so what God is about. And because we see Jesus in this story, we can recognize how much, uh, how Jesus comes to so many of us. So if you don't know the story of the woman of the well, let me just tell you a little bit about how Jesus meets us, a lot of us. He comes to us. He's the one who meets us, who knows us, who sees us, who comes to the places that we're hiding. This woman was hiding by coming to the well at the heat of the day when none of the other women were around. She didn't want to be seen. And God comes to her there. And she comes with a lot of spiritual questions and Jesus answers them, talks out, wrestles with her, her faith. Jesus meets her there and addresses all the gross stuff in her life that she doesn't want to talk about. This woman had had five husbands and was living with a man who wasn't her husband. And I'm sure that there was a lot of hurt and pain and shame that came with the breaking of all of those relationships. Jesus meets her in those places. And then What's miraculous, and this is so the way that Jesus is with so many of us, meeting God in that space where we are known and seen and answered and forgiven compels this woman to run back with joy and urgency to the people in her life asking the question, come and see this man. Could he be the Messiah, the anointed one, God in the flesh? Could it be? 
This guy is so incredible. She runs to the people she was hiding from to share with them the joy of finding someone who could see her and make sense of her life and fill her with love. And so many of us, when we met Jesus for the first time, especially if there was a season of our life without Jesus, we do the same thing. We run back to our family and friends and we say, oh my gosh, I got to share this crazy thing that's going on in my life. Could this be a God thing? I'm not the same person. I've been heard and understand and I'm forgiven. And it's, it's what we do when we have met a God who knows us and sees us and has addressed the issues that embarrass us, our hurts and our habits, when God meets us there. So we love that story and we tell that story a lot. If you don't know that story, I encourage you to open up your Bibles when you get home to John 4 and read this story of a woman meeting Jesus for the first time. But what I find challenging in the reading of this story this time is the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in the middle of meeting the woman. And it's the conversation that Jesus has with those of us who followed him for a while. Those of us who've lost that fresh joy and the newness of what it is to follow Jesus. It's the conversation that he has with those who haven't shared him in a long time. And it's the conversation that I want to dig into today. We're jumping into the middle of the story, but it's when Jesus is is going with his disciples from the city to the ocean, and they're passing through the Ellensburg, if you will, of this area. It's Samaria, and it's the place where they just plan on getting off and getting Starbucks. They're just planning on going off to get some food. And for the bulk of the story, it appears that that's all the disciples think this little stop is about in Samaria, is getting some food. But Jesus comes to them with a mission corrective. And I have put before the Lord a wondering if this is a mission corrective that those of us at Chapel Hill who followed him for a long time also need. And I have a bold hope for us that as we read this conversation with Jesus, that we would be transformed. That we would be transformed as the woman at the well whose thirst is fully satisfied. That we would be transformed as the disciples who get a new perspective on their life. And that we might not see the daily interactions of the places that we pass through ever again. So that's where we are. We're in John chapter 4, beginning with verse 27. This conversation with Jesus' disciples after they've gone into Samaria to get food. Read with me the word of the Lord. It's on page 889 if you're in your pew Bible. Beginning, uh, John chapter 4, beginning with verse 27. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that Jesus was talking with a woman, but no one said, Who do, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They, that is the people of Samaria, went out of the town and were coming to him, to Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, "Uh, did somebody bring him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? 
Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the harvest, the fields are white for harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you open this word afresh to us today? Lord, would you be the eternal life, the water that quenches our thirst for meaning? Lord, would you be the bread of life, the food that fully satisfies? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a sense for what the disciples had just experienced by walking into Samaria. They had gone into a new town, into a new place. And so it's very reasonable to assume that just as we walk into new places, they would have been really observant. And they would have paid attention to the people that they met. A lot of you started something new this past week. If you started school, um, you saw new teachers, teachers, you saw new parents, you saw um, new kids in your classroom. Those of you who aren't at school noticed that there were new people in your gym classes and crowding out your swimming lanes. Am I right? You might have seen new baristas. You paid attention to the new things that are going on in your life. And you expected to see those people again. So you might have observed things like, oh, that's the parent I'm going to have to talk to every week between now and December. Or you might have said, gosh, that new person's really good at cycling. I think I'm going to sit on the other side of the class next week, right? And the disciples would have noticed... And have been observant about the new people that they ran into in Samaria. They might have seen a couple walking along the road. They might have seen a kid with a, with a group of sheep. They would have noticed the baker that they brought bread from. They would have noticed the crowd around the well where they rested and got water. It's not, a, it's not inconceivable to picture what it would have been like to run into a lot of people on their run for food. I run into a lot of people on my way to the grocery store. Anybody else? A lot of people on your way to the grocery store, in the grocery store. On my way there, I'm always going to see Mike, who's my neighbor, because Reed's going to want to stop and talk to him and find out what crazy metal project he's going to, he's working on that I need to like protect Reed from, right? And then we're going to roll down our window and say hi to a group of neighbors on the way out. We're going to get to Fred Meyer. I'm going to see Rena Hutchison in the bread aisle. And until recently, I was going to see Carrie Tatum in the organic aisle. I bet with school back in session, we'll start seeing each other again. And then there's all the people I can't name, but I know, right? It's the same girl in the deli. It's the same guy stocking produce. And doggone it, if it isn't always the same checker that wants to take Reed out of the cart. And I'm like, look, we're almost there. The sugar from that free cookie is about to hit. Could we just get through? You know? So you guys know what it's like to run into a lot of people. The disciples... When they went into Samaria, they completed the mission to get food. And I'm sure they would have seen a lot of people, but for the bulk of the thing, they just got the food. And I know because when they get to Jesus, the first thing they're concerned about is like, oh, that woman, whatever, we're not even going to talk out loud about her. But Jesus, here's some food. And Jesus is like, yeah, I don't need any food. You guys totally missed the purpose of that errand. You totally missed it. And Jesus offers them a mission corrective. And he sticks with this metaphor of food. They thought they were on a mission to get groceries. Jesus says the mission was about food that fully satisfies. The mission was about accomplishing the Father's will. Jesus had a plan that day in Samaria to bring eternal life to that community. 
to fully satisfy them. That's what the mission was all about. And Jesus got satisfied by fulfilling that mission with just one woman at a well, answering one person's spiritual questions, giving eternal life, forgiveness to one person. And that whole town of Samaria, if you go on to read the rest of the story, they're all going to believe because of the testimony of this one woman. Jesus says that the food mission is about finding what, what will really satisfy our hunger. And that mission is accomplishing the Lord's work. The word accomplish is the Greek word telos. It's that word for destiny or fulfillment. That word is in our mission statement as a church that comes out of Colossians 1.28, that we are going to work together to present everyone mature in Christ. That word mature is the same as accomplish. It's telos, it's destiny, it's fulfillment, it's perfection. And we as a church are working together that our whole community, that everyone that touches our life might reach their telos, their fulfillment, their destiny, which can only be found in Christ. And Jesus says, look, you are off on a mission to feed your bellies with food. But the real mission here is people. The mission is that people would find their telos, their destiny, that they can only find in Christ. And this woman found her telos. She received the water of eternal life that only comes from Jesus. And she is never thirsty again. Jesus participates in his father's mission to bring eternal life. And he is not hungry again. The disciples needed a mission corrective about what would really satisfy. They also misunderstood the mission deadline. They misunderstood that there was a mission deadline. He gives them a second metaphor, this metaphor of the harvest. And he says, look, you look out and you think that there's four more months and then there will be a harvest. I say to you, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ready now. Jesus is pointing out that the disciples thought that it wasn't time for the Samaritans to come to know God. We've explored the last couple weeks the prejudice that the Jews had against the Samaritans, and they thought that they were beyond the reach of God. They weren't going to understand who God really is. They didn't consider that today might be the day that the whole town of Samaria comes to understand who God really is and receives the gift of eternal life. The invitation they could have made to come and see Jesus would have been so simple. Yeah, we're new in town. We're just passing through Samaria. We're here with our teacher. He has a lot of cool things to say. He's radically changed our life. He's outside on the edge of town if you want to come and meet him. Do you want to come and see? The disciples could have left the town with a crowd. Everyone would have followed them because God was ready to meet the town of Samaria. But the disciples missed their chance. To be a part of what God was doing. Good thing God doesn't depend on those, that group of disciples, right? God reached out to one unlikely, on the fringes, sinner of a woman. And she gets it. 
She gets the gift of eternal life. She gets that that day in the person of Jesus Christ, there is eternal life and forgiveness and understanding. And she gets it. She gets the urgency of the mission. So she leaves her water jug. She runs back to town. And so quick is the town to receive the good news of Jesus that the disciples only have time to have this little conversation with Jesus before the whole town is coming back out to Jesus. When Jesus says, lift up your eyes and see the harvest, the disciples lift up their eyes and they see the whole town of Samaria coming out to meet Jesus. They see the baker who sold them the bread. They see the people they passed on the road. They would have seen the boy with the sheep. They would have seen the crowd at the well. All those people that they noticed, whose stories they built up in their minds, they were all ready to meet Jesus. And when they lift up their eyes and see that the harvest is white, they see everyone that they passed, that they recognized, who had responded to another person's invitation to come and see the man who told me all that I ever did. Could this man be the Christ? I was really inspired and convicted by um, a story that I heard from Rachel White this week in light of this story. She was telling me about the life groups that she started two years ago that are now a couple of life groups called Gig Harbor Mamas. And she was sharing with me about how they do life on mission together, reaching people, loving people, helping them reach their telos, their destiny. And she does it in playgrounds and Costco and Starbucks and the preschools and everywhere in Gig Harbor that you run into mamas. And I want you to hear a little bit of their story from Tiffany Grahowski, who's one of the Gig Harbor Mama Leaders. Well, when I first started coming to the church, um, I wasn't really, um, I I was looking for God. I felt like God was looking for me. So I joined two Bible studies uh, at the same time. And um, I just felt like God was really pulling me in the direction that he wanted me to, to go. And so once I met Rachel, I just knew that that was the direction that I was supposed to go. I attended all the play groups time that I was able to, I attended, I was there on time, and uh, I think Rachel just saw that in me, that I was available, and I was willing, she she asked me if I wanted to do the discipleship training manual with her, and after talking to my husband and praying about it, um, I thought that I would, and just going through that manual, it was, it was eye-opening, you know, just the language, and just it was really good because it helped me contemplate myself, like where I was um, in regards to where God wanted me to be, what my next step was going to be. And through that manual, I found that I wanted my next step would be to become a, a leader. Our group is it consists of moms of young children, and so since we have that infrastructure, it's pretty easy to find moms that have young children that would work great in our group. And so anytime we're on play dates or, you know, just at the park and there's another mom there with other kids, we, we can start the conversation and, um, and invite them to our group, to our play groups that we're doing this summer. Uh, we've done one every Tuesday. And so we've met so many new moms. We've had so many new people come into our group. We are just so invitational. Other moms are just so amazing. They're, they in, invite... Everyone, every, every 
every stage that everyone's in. And even if they don't know God, they still feel welcome. Our moms are just amazing. They can welcome everyone. In the beginning, I was very tentative, and still am now, with inviting new people. Um, it's, it does take some courage, but you just have to rely on God that you're getting the right words out there, that what you say to them. And, you know, maybe they may not take you up on their invitation, but that's just at least a step for them, that they have that exposure. And maybe next time they will accept from another person, or maybe you the next time. Um, so you just kind of have to put yourself out there, and it is hard. So I so love the invitational nature of that group. I love Tiffany's testimony of God pursuing her. And I love that they make space in their life for anyone that God's going to bring um, in, into their group. They do life loving people and with a sense of urgency that there is a message to share. And so the story, I think, offers us our own mission corrective our own reminder that we have been the woman at the well. And so the first takeaway that I hope for you is that you remember when Jesus saw you, when you knew that he knew you, when you received the invitation to eternal life, when you had that joy that, rem- that, that knew that God would have come just for you. And when you had that urgency and that passion to turn to everyone in your life and say, gosh, could this be true? Come and meet the man who told me everything that I ever did. And I hope that this message is, it hits you as it has for me when Jesus turns to his disciples. And when he challenges us to see what he sees. To see the mission of our daily lives as he sees it. There are real tasks to get food at the grocery store, to go to school, to learn, to be healthy, to get coffee, to take care of your house, to help your kids be successful, to coach their their soccer games. Those are real tasks. But the mission corrective is to see that they are so much more than just that. That God has you on an eternity mission to see people the way he sees them, to awaken them to their telos, to their destiny, to love as he loves, to see as he sees, to know people as he knows them. And maybe some of those conversations are awkward to get going. Rachel Rachel Toon warned us a couple weeks ago that sometimes we blunder our way through Samaria, but don't forget that she had Thanksgiving dinner with cannolis, okay? So there is fun and joy even in working through that awkwardness. Pastor Ellis is going to be doing that class, God Space, that can help you get some of those conversations going just in the natural comings and goings of life. But I pray that we would overflow with the gift of living water, of eternal life into the people around us. We've been given a simple invitation ourselves to come and see God. To wonder, could this man be the Christ? We've had the chance to ask our spiritual questions. We've had the chance to have our sins forgiven. And it's a simple invitation that you can extend to people in your life. Come and see. When you're talking with a friend about life situations, you can say, hey, my life group works through some of those same questions. Do you want to come and see how we're wrestling through it with Jesus? Come to my life group. There's always one more seat. 
You could extend the simple invitation um, to, to come and be a part of our Roman study. You could say, man, you've got spiritual questions that I don't know the answer to, but our pastors are tackling one of the hardest books that I, for me personally, so I'm just going to throw that out there, in Romans. And you know what? If you've got a, that question, let's go see if the pastors can handle it. Let's go stump them. I don't care. Bring them. And uh, let's see how they do with these tough questions in the book of Romans. A friend of mine was telling me that she considers September 1 new, uh, new Year's resolution for moms because it's this season where um, we get into a different rhythm in the Pacific Northwest. So maybe you want to take a New Year's resolution to uh, do the daily devotional that we're doing for the Romans Guide. You could pick up an extra copy next week and say, hey, I'm going to try to get to know Jesus better. Do you want to do that with me? Just text, text your responses back and forth with a friend. Take this season to really consider and to remember what it was like to be called by Jesus and to extend that invitation. Come and see. Come to my church and see. Come to my life group and see. Get into the word with me and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could this man be the Christ? You know, we have no trouble sharing good news. I know you don't. I never have missed Ben and Jerry's free ice cream day. Thanks to most of you guys who Instagram it. Thank you very much. All of you guys will know soon enough that Reed got a haircut. Because if I pass you at any point this week, I'm going to be showing you a picture. Because he looks like such a big boy. And I didn't wait until you talked about hair to say, hey, now that you're talking about hair, i got to show you my boy. No, I just out with it. Like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to never believe how big Reed is. Look at this picture, right? If we were so captured with the good news of Jesus, so revived in our own spirit, so satisfied Our thirst satisfied with the eternal water of Jesus. You couldn't help but say, hey friend, you got to know there's something new and revived in my life. I'm not the same. Can I please tell you about this man named Jesus? You got to come and meet him. So I want to do something um, a little different today. I want, to, I want to pray through your Tuesday, okay? Tomorrow's going to be a weird day. So I want to pray through your Tuesday, and I want to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind all those people that you pass, just like I did on the way to the grocery store. All those people that you're going to pass in your life on Tuesday and ask, how might God invite you to extend the invitation to come and see throughout your day on Tuesday. So I'm going to ask the band to come up. I want, I'd, I'd love to go through a, um, a more extended time of prayer. So please lead us in that. But go ahead and start to think what time you're going to wake up on Tuesday. It's Sunday now. Tomorrow is Labor Day. Most of you don't have to work. Begin to think through, what do I have on deck on Tuesday? And then I'm going to pray us through inviting the Holy Spirit to show us where we might meet with God this week. Pray with me. Jesus, you are our water. You are our eternal life, and you satisfy our thirst. Lord, you are the bread of life, and you satisfy our hunger. And we are fully satisfied only in you when we partner with you in your work when we know who you are, when we know our own telos, our destiny. And so I ask you to meet all who are thirsty and who are hungry today and satisfy them. And Lord, when we wake up on Tuesday, would you set into our hearts that mission corrective 
that mission deadline, that urgency to share who you are? Would we wake up with love for the people that share our living space? When we enter that first building of the day, if it's our classroom or the gym or our place of work, would you let us see what you see and observe what you observe? Would you fill us with love for your people? Jesus, would you give us glimpses of their telos, of their destiny? When we get to lunch, Lord, would you show us where to spend lunch? If there's anybody we need to buy food for, Lord, would you help us to meet the deeper hunger of people? Would you, Holy Spirit, to give us the words as Tiffany was saying, Lord, the right words at the right time to answer questions or to hear out hurts, to turn people to you. Lord, by three o'clock, wherever we're at at three, Lord, would we have not forgotten that we're on your mission? Would we have not forgotten who you are and who we are? That you have a telos, a destiny for us, a purpose for us. Would you reawaken us at three with that cup of coffee, that walk around the block, or walk home from school? Remind us who we are. Lord, over dinner, are there people that you need us to invite to dinner, to share our table with us? Anyone from the margins, from the outside, that needs to know that they're welcomed in? Lord, it's put in our, our hearts a sense of urgency with that invitation. And Lord, as we go to sleep, Lord, would there be a sense of satisfaction in the day? A sense of hunger satisfied because we were on your mission and saw what you saw and loved who you loved and used your words and put forward invitations. Lord, would we not be thirsty? Would we be satisfied with the gift of your eternal life? Lord, we surrender our Tuesday to you our Monday to you, our Sunday to you. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We know that tomorrow is a gift of grace should you extend it. And so would we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unto you today and every day. Lord, in a measure of our commitment to you, of our trust in you, our trust that we are yours, we are going to bring to you your tithe. In our offering, Lord, would you take this money and multiply it just as you would take our time on Tuesday and multiply it for the sake of the mission of your kingdom. Would this physical act be a show of our heart's act as we surrender ourselves to you? In Jesus' name, amen.